Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. So September 23rd, September 23rd, 24th, 25th, which is a Thursday night, a Friday night, and a Saturday night. Uh, really want to encourage you, those that are here in the room, as well as those that are listening online. Uh, maybe some Princetonites want to come down even, I'm not sure. Um, but the reality is, is that in this season, I'm going to be talking about it, but more than ever, we see our absolute desperate need for God. More than ever. Maybe, maybe not more than ever, but maybe we're more aware of it or should be more aware of it than ever. You know, before I jump into what we're going to talk about, uh, actually for the next few weeks, uh, I want to just uh, thank you as a church. I was talking with someone last week who their very first Sunday here, they said, wow, it was so incredibly friendly. I had like five people come up and talk to me, ask my name and, and do more than just wave at me. But So thank you for those of you that are super intentional, all the extroverts in the room. And also the introverts who say, okay, Jesus, help me. Uh, so important uh, that we do that for one another uh, and uh, great job. Oh, uh, return is what we're going to be talking about. Return unto me and I will return unto you. Uh, Zechariah says that in many other passages. But before we do, uh, there was a time where I needed to return. I was 22 years old and I had gone to, uh, on my very, very first international trip, it was a missions trip. It was to uh, Hungary and then into Croatia, which was in war at the time, and then over to uh, Romania. And uh, after going into Croatia, which was a trip all in itself, the uh, UN was uh, the city called Osijek. We had brought 40 tons of food to feed refugees, and it was incredible and amazing, and there for a few days, and then we came back into Budapest in Hungary. And uh, two, the two pastors that I had met there, uh, Moses Vey and Paul Stern, both have gone on to be with the Lord now, um, but they said, Craig, we're going to put you on the train and it's going to take you to Timisoara. Timisoara. I'm going to probably pronounce it incorrectly, but from Budapest, Hungary into Romania. And this was just a few years after the Iron Curtain communism had fallen in uh, Romania and in Hungary. And so it was a little bit sketchy, but they said, you just get on. We're going to put you on this train and you just don't get off. Just stay on this train and you will, and then it will stop in Timisoara. You'll see a sign and then that's when you get out. And so I was like, okay, I'm 22 years old. I grew up in the sticks. I've, I've hardly been out. Well, at that point, my, the big city I'd been to was Vancouver at that time. I'd moved from a town of just a couple of thousand, not even a couple of thousand. And so it was, it was a big deal. And I was like, just stay on the train. I was so nervous. Uh, and so I get on the train and we head off from Budapest to Timisoara, just across the border. And what happened was we get to the border and the border guards from the Romanian side come on uh, and they're looking at everybody's passports and everything. And suddenly they say to everybody, they didn't really, they said it in, in Romanian, but I didn't understand it. I just understood this, uh, get off the train. And I was like, oh, right at the border right at the border, and so I get off onto the train, not into a train station, onto the tracks. And there was about eight or nine different trains, uh, lines of tracks with different trains on them going who knows where. 
And I had to figure out how to get on the train to Timisoara. Now, this is back in the olden days. So for you that are under, say, 30, there was a time when you didn't have cell phones. I know it's hard to believe. There was no cell phone, no instant messaging. In fact, I don't even think I had an email address at that point. And if I did, I wouldn't have been able to find a computer in Romania or Hungary that would have someone. And so here I am, and I have no idea how I'm going to get where I need to go. I do think I may die. That's probably one of the predominant thoughts in my head at that moment. Because there, there was a lot of corruption at the border at that time. And I was uh, uh, obviously an English-speaking person. Maybe I, the people thought I was rich or whatever. And I, and I stepped off the tracks. I had no clue. I had lost my weight. And I remember just, oh my. And so I just started doing what any but he should do at that try, time. It's just, I just said, English, 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 English. And I'm just walking along. I'm like, somebody's going to answer. And finally, this girl up ahead about my age turned around and said, I, I speak English. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You sent an angel. I still remember her name, Christina. If you're listening, thank you. You saved me, saved me. And she came and she helped me and said, okay, help me to get onto the right train. And I got onto the right track and I, I got to where I needed to go. I, I was, it was unexpected. I was unprepared. I, I did nothing to cause it. It was out of my control and there were all kinds of options, but only one of them was going to take me to Timisoara. It's kind of like this season right now unexpected, unprepared. I had no idea, out of my control, so much of what's going on. And there's an option that we can go on that's going to take us where God wants us to go. And so as I walked through the crunchy gravel and I thought about it, I realized I was lost and I was so thankful that someone answered my call. And as I walk with people and I talk with people right now, as we witness the social media exchanges, as we walk through what we uh, are walking through right now in terms of, 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 of restrictions, we're in real trouble in so many ways. I see lots of hatred. I see lots of anger. I see lots of frustration. I see lots of anxiety. I've, I feel and I've been on the end of all of that, both. And I think all of us have been at various times. Unless you all are living somewhere else. Struggling, many people struggling with trauma like it's a deep dark presence all around them. Others have, that are wondering when the resentment's going to shift because of the people that they know have wronged them or, or betrayed them. Some are struggling with different things, whether that's pornography or it's addictions to uh, prescription drugs or it's, a, it's every day I've got to have a drink when I got home. When I get home, others are in sexual sin and dysfunction. Some of us are lost from God's word, lost from God's power, lost from God, lost, lost from prayer, lost from a relationship of, uh, that's connected to God. And then I look at the church where we see in Canada, nearly 70% of our young people five years after they graduate high school have no longer any meaningful connection with church. Did you hear what I said? Seven out of ten of our young people, five years after they graduate high school, seven out of ten of them have no longer any meaningful connection with church and with the things of God. And then we see in our broader culture, we look at opioid addiction crisis, division, hatred, a culture that is rapidly leaving biblical mores. 100,000 abortions a year in Canada. 
The world is in a mess. So far, are you encouraged? No amount of money we can raise. No amount of advocacy we can do. No amount of the right government that we can elect. No platform that we have is going to shift any of that. We need a guide to show us the way back to the tracks that will take us where he wants us to go. I've been thinking and praying and meditating on this for weeks and weeks. And the Lord, as he does sometimes in my devotions, just highlighted this phrase to me. Actually, he first said the word return. Return. And I, and I began to look it up. And there's so many scriptures. Like Hosea 6 and 1 says, come, let us return unto the Lord. Come. It's an invitation. Joel 2 and 13 says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. It's a theme of all of the Old Testament prophets. It's why Jesus came. It's what James was saying in chapter 4 and verse 8 where he said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Our only hope, and I'm not being overdramatic or melodramatic, our only hope is Jesus. His will, his way, Returning to a strong and vital relationship. Milk toast Christianity is not going to cut it in this season. Fiddling around the edges is not going to cut it in this season. Returning to strong and vital spirituality. Returning home to the way of Jesus. Return. I know I felt my own longing to return I don't know if someone has, my wife, do you have any Kleenex? If I'm asking for that, there's something happening. Uh, no. It's her mask. I'm not using that. Wipe my, I'll just pretend I'm seven again. I want to see a greater move of God in my own life. I want to see a greater move of God in broken families. I want to see a greater move of God in our city. I want to see a greater move of restoration. I want to see a greater move of God's power. I want to see a greater move of people being restored. I want to see a greater move of healing. I want to see a greater move of God's presence. I want to see more than what we're currently experiencing. But sometimes in the middle of it all, we can look to blame our situation. Or if I was in that, if I take back to that, that, those tracks, blaming the pastors, why didn't they put me on the right train? Or, or blaming the border guards, why are you wanting money from me? I don't have any. Or border, blaming the situation and all kinds of things. When all I could do in the middle of it was what I could do and say, help. And in this season, blaming and finger pointing and, and trying to find, well, what, if this would change or that would change, none of that matters at the end of the day. I need to find a guide who can take me on the right space. So whether you're online or you're in person, maybe you're thinking that this is for somebody who's not here or not listening. 
Somebody who isn't in church, or maybe, maybe it's for a, the bad world that needs to hear this. And so Luke 18, Jesus reminds us of some things. In Luke 18 and verse 9, and I think it's going to be on the screen. And Jesus said this, he told parables. Parables are just simply earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. He tries to tell us something so that we can actually understand something bigger going on here. And so he said this, to some who were confident, somebody say confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now a Pharisee is a person who is a religious leader. Uh, they wore certain clothes. They led. They, they, they did all the right things, which we'll see in a moment. And the tax collector, uh, I could, you know, hardly enough, universally, those people are not liked. If you work at Revenue Canada, we bless you. We love you. But in the biblical times, what they did, they ripped people off. They used their position. They were almost like mafia people who they would, in return for me not doing this to you, you pay me a, more than you should in taxes. So they were well hated, viewed as collaborators with the enemy, the Romans. So these two people went up to the temple to pray. They're both in the same spot. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Wow. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers are even like this tax collector. Can you imagine the tax collector guy probably overheard that? It might have been intentional. And then he went on to say, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. You, this is Craig's edition. God, you're so lucky to have me. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, seven little words, have mercy on me, a sinner. Stood at a distance and just as he beat his breast, that's a sign of mourning. Just, oh. And then Jesus goes on to say this. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home. Somebody say home. That's where we all need to be. Home. Not your physical home, but home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I just want to point out a couple things before we move on. But the similarities, they both believed in God. They were both in church and they were both praying. Both were far from God, but only one knew it. The difference, one was aware of his need and the other didn't express any. One was seen as an extortionist mafia man and the other was seen as a religious leader who did everything right. One went away right with God and the other one went away still lost. One called out for a guide and the other said, I am my guide. Every one of us can be totally unaware that our heart has drifted. Everyone, whether you're watching online, you're in Princeton or you're in the room, everyone, including me, can be totally unaware that our heart has drifted, but it has. It may have. We can be so unconfident of our own right, rightness and incredibly far from God at the same time. We can appear to have it all messed up and be so close to a breakthrough. Pride keeps us from returning, and humility is the way of return. 
We need to return home to God. And Jesus told another parable, so those that might be confused as to who needs to return in Luke 15, and then we'll be done. Luke 15, common, if you've grown up in church, or a, Jesus is again telling a story. And here's why he tells the story in the first few verses of uh, chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors, there they are again. These are the real ones. That was a parable and a story told. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were around Jesus. They drew near to him. They drew near to him. To hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, there's those guys again, the religious leaders, complained. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And eats with them is added because in our culture, we don't understand that. When you ate with someone, it said so, so much about your willingness to open your table and extend your life to them. So, so he spoke this parable to them. He's wanting them to understand because they, they're like, why do you sit with these people that are sinners? These people who, in fact, they're, uh, the Pharisees of those days said, when one lost sinner does not find their way to God, heaven rejoices. That's why Jesus used this phrase in a moment, which we're going to see. And now the sh- he t- tells this story of a sheep, a coin, and a son. A very familiar story if you've grown up in church, like I said. The sheep talks about how this sheep was part of a herd, one of a hundred, and it wandered off. It was lost. doesn't say why it got lost, but sheep get lost. I think there's a reason why Jesus calls us sheep. Sheep are not known for their brightness. Little by little, a tuft of grass by tuft of grass, distracted and drifting. And distraction, if I can point this out, I think has been one of the great tools of the enemy in this season. Distracted by mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, is this the end of it all? Who's the antichrist? All these kind of things. And you can just speculate about them, no problem. But sometimes we can get so distracted about those things that we forget about the main thing. No creature, one commentary said this, no creature has, uh, stays more easily, strays more easily than a sheep. None is more heedless and one so incapable of finding its way back to the flock. When one's gone astray, it will bleat for the flock and then run in the opposite direction to the place where the flock, of the, where the flock is. We tend to look at those who have, this is just being about those who haven't surrendered their life to Jesus, but it's really anybody who's wandered. And maybe this season, what, there's been things happened that have caused you to be rattled, that have caused you to feel a little disappointed, that have caused some hopelessness or despair or whatever it might be, causing you to drift a little bit and not be close to the Lord. Maybe that's been the cares of life. Maybe it's been the shaking of the, of, of the world that's going on. Maybe there's been a wandering from the full and a fruitful life that God has for you. Maybe anxiety, which was kind of kept at bay over the last number of months, has actually gotten worse in many ways. I don't know. Maybe you've been bumped and bruised and battered a little bit by this season, but I want you to hear there is a shepherd searching for you searching for me. I, I can't even find my way back. That's what the story of the sheep reminds me of is that even when I can't find my way back, there's somebody searching for me that he sees me. I'm valuable to him and he wants me back. He goes after us. Shh, shh, little sheep, keep your eyes on me. 
return. Come on, return to me. Puts him on his shoulder and brings him back. And then there's a coin, one coin out of ten. It's lost. We think, well, if we lost one coin, 10% of your, in that days, uh, there were, the woman, that's why it's about a woman, often would wear 10 coins or however many coins that were given as the dowry. So if the marriage went sideways, she had some resources, or her husband died, there were some resources that went with her from her family to that family. And so the, when one coin would, lo- would be losing 10% of her net wealth. And so she, it was super, super important. It wasn't just like she lost a penny and it's a big story about a penny. This was incredibly valuable, important. Two things made it value. It was precious metal. And secondly, it had the imprint of the sovereign on it, the king. You're precious. You have the imprint of God on you. And he is looking for you. You're incredibly valuable to God. It's the coin, it's, it's another interesting thing. To me, it's inanimate. It, doesn't, it just got lost. And I feel like that's sometimes what happens in our life. Sometimes you just end up somewhere and through no fault of your own, it seems. You just, you just feel like you're desperately far from where God is. I'm just making sure I don't fall off the back. But it just happens little by little seemingly and suddenly you're like, I don't even know how I got here. But I know I was once a lot closer than I am right now. I know I sense God's presence a lot more than I do right now. I know I heard his voice a lot more clearly. I, 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 but someone is searching for you. In both stories, Jesus says, this is about us when he says, there's joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner who repents. God is so, humility is the way of return. And finally, there's a lost son. Unlike the, sh- the sheep who kind of wandered off, unlike the coin who just kind of got lost, the son decided to leave. He says, and it's down at verse 11, if you're following along, he, there's father with two sons and the youngest son said, I want my inheritance now. And if you say that, say that to your parents, it kind of means, and particularly in this culture, it meant, I wish you were, when do you, when do you get an inheritance? It's when someone dies. I wish you were dead, dad. But could I have the money? And here he is asking for that in the middle of it all. And he's asking for that money to be given to him. And the father had to make a decision. He had to liquefy assets, sell camels and donkeys and maybe sell some land, whatever. He had to impoverish himself a little bit so that the son could be, get what he wanted. And sometimes God lets us have our way. And then... The son blows through all the money. He leaves his dad, blows through all his money until he has nothing. And on top of that, there's a famine. Another another event. I've left my father. I've lost all the money. I've been abandoned by my friends. Now there's a famine. The famine is... He's got a job feeding pigs. And he says that he wished that they would allow him to have some of the food that the pigs had, but he didn't even have that. And it says this beautiful phrase in verse 17. When he came to his senses, someone say, that's me. Nobody. When he came to his senses, it's every one of us need a moment where we come to our senses with God. And he said, 
How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to, get, I will, to death. I will set out and go back to my father. I'm returning and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went back to his father because humility is the way of return where we come to our senses and say, I desperately need God. Whether I got here, I don't know how I got here. Whether I wandered off a little bit, I don't know what happened, whether I made a decision, the same answer replies. The humility is the way of return. And when he came back, this is what happens. While he was still a long way off, if you've grown up in church, you know this, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. God sees us where we are and he has compassion for us in the middle of the mess. He's coming back in rags. He got sent out with, with wealth. He's coming back in rags. Everything is in, the, in just terrible things. Uh, he smells like a pig. If you've ever been around or raised pigs, it kind of gets into your skin where you can wash and you actually start to smell like it yourself. It was just overwhelming the odor of him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But somebody say, but yeah, not the, the but the father said to his servants, quick, the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. If you read this story of, of it as someone else and you don't put yourself in that moment, it's just a nice heartwarming story. But when we begin to see that potentially, as Luke 18 showed us, where Jesus said, we can have it looking all together. We can even be in the room. We can be praying to God and ask absolutely be so far from God that we're not even aware of it. Can I put to you today, can I ask you to consider today that there might be a space in your heart where you are wandering. There might be a space in your heart where you need more of God. There might be a space in, in your life or in your family or in your marriage where you desperately need God to come through. Can I just put that out there to somebody? Sometimes we don't grasp what it is when we look back 2,000 years and say, wow, that's really great. What father wouldn't? But the father sees and is filled with compassion for us as we return. Now in, when it said the father ran, when Jesus would have said that, people would have done this. Did he just say that? Did he say the father ran? Remember, this is a story he's telling because he's trying to drive a point home. In the Middle Eastern times, in those times, a Middle Eastern man never, ever ran. If he were to run, he would have to pull up his tunic so he would not trip. And here it is. If he did this, he would show his bare legs. I know. In that culture, it was humiliating and shameful for an adult man to show his legs. So here's the question. If it was shameful for a man to run in that culture, why did the father run when his son returned to him? Kenneth Bailey, who wrote The Cross and the Prodigal, explains this. If a Jewish son lost his inheritance among the Gentiles, the people who were not followers of God, and then returned home, the community would perform a ceremony called the kazaza. They would break a large pot in front of him and say, you are now cut off from your family and from your people. And the community would totally reject him right when he got into town. And so why did the father rent? He probably ran in order to get to his son before he entered the village. 
the father runs and shames himself in an effort to get to his son before the community gets to him so that his son does not experience the shame and the humiliation of their taunting and rejection. The village would have followed the running father would have witnessed what took place at the edge of the village between a father and a son. After this emotional reunion, there would be no ceremony. There would be no rejecting of this son despite what he had done. The son had repented and returned to his father and the father had taken the full shame that was meant to be on the son, had taken it upon himself and he clearly showed the entire community that the son was welcomed back home. And so many of us, when we think of return, we're wondering what kind of reception we might get. We're wondering, how will God look at me? What will he do? How will he receive me? Jesus is trying to get through to us. Whether you've been wandering, whether you made a decision to wander, whether you just don't even know how, that Jesus is reminding us, hey, come home, return. Because this is, I could have made this about a whole bunch of things, but I first today wanted to talk about our hearts. Because until we turn in our hearts, return in our hearts, if there's band there, I hear them out there, you can come. When we return in our hearts, something begins to shift. There was a man, as we saw at the beginning, who had everything together, but had everything wrong in his understanding of his need for God. Another man who had nothing together and had everything right in his understanding, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And this father gave a robe to cover his rags and his nakedness. God's grace covering our sin and shame and a ring. He gives him a ring again and it's saying, oh, that's not, that's the family crest. That's like getting a family credit card. You are, you can represent, you have the power and the resources of the father behind you. And then he got sandals. Servants didn't get sandals. Family did. Wherever we are, the father says, come home. Whether we feel we're like a sheep wandered or a coin that doesn't even know how, could we all be open that there might be spaces that we've wandered? In every story, the sheep, the coin, the son, we see joy and rejoicing when the lost was found. And when what was lost was returned, the sheep had a flock, the coin had a purse, and the son had a home. And they were missing great rejoicing. Come, let us return unto the Lord. God is not a, I can't believe you've done this kind of a father. He's a come here, welcome home kind of a father. He's a, I'll keep you safe. I'll keep you warm. Let me hold you kind of a father. He's a, let me heal you kind of father. He's a, let me celebrate you kind of father. He's a, let me transform you. I love you with all of my heart type of a God. Will we return? Humility is the way of return. Will we return in my actions, in my thinking? Will we return in my speaking, in my heart? Will we return from my selfishness, my hatred, my despising of others? Will I return from my prayerlessness, my pride? Will I return in my weariness, my discouragement, my anxieties, my judgment? 
unprepared, unexpected, seemingly out of control moment, many options, but needing the voice to say, this is the track you need to get on. And if I can be part of that voice to you this morning, come, let us return unto the Lord. Matthew 11 says this, Jesus speaking, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay everything, anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Acts 3 and 19 says this, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. That's the first step. But in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Not a program. Returning to the way of Jesus. Not a self-help book, but returning to Jesus. Not just three steps. Do these things, but returning to Jesus. Draw near to God. Can I invite you to stand to your feet? We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.